0: Seymour Crowborn So finally we meet you This is an occasion Let's toast it Up yours Relax <laughs> 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 Let's talk turkey Sign here And we'll book you On lecturing tours
1: Yes darling We're sending photographers Thursday So get the plant ready And wear a clean shirt Just sign this release Need a Pan Aren't you thrilled It's the cover of Life magazine Is that
0: I'm telling you son It's a cinch to get ratings The title is Marvin The concept is mine The first weekly gardening Show on a network And you're gonna host it You lucky kid Sign, sign! They say the mink shall inherit. You know the book doesn't lie. It's not a question of merit. It's not demand and supply. They say the mink's gonna
2: get it. And you're a big little guy. You know the big gonna get what's coming to a buy and
0: buy. John, I'm gonna call it Kismet because you and I had already talked about having you on the show to do this segment. And then just the other night, I had a tweet kind of moderately blow up. I was talking about the musical Annie and how Annie at its heart is about somebody who starts off as a class conscious, active resistor and agitator who gets a little bit of uh, a little bit of the taste of the, the capitalist wealth and then just completely abandons all of her comrades and turns into a class traitor. And you were you were in those replies and it made me really excited to talk about this, this topic of what is in today's America, the most relevant musical, uh, musical play or film.
1: Well, um, with reference to Annie, I'll just say Lennon tells us we lose the liberals first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you guys seen the Jay Z Jamie
2: Foxx Annie? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh man, Ye- what?
1: Wasn't that the thing that made Cameron Diaz start to drink? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was. T-
2: she was terrible. If they recast Cameron Diaz with like Rihanna, it would have been a perfect movie. But Cameron Diaz does drag it down a little bit. But wait, who'd she play? Was no, she Miss Hannigan in that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, it was so bizarre. <laughs> but they take some liberties like, and they and they make Jamie Foxx is like a billionaire who's running for like mayor of New York.
1: Didn't they cut out? Thank you, Mr. Roosevelt. Like the only socially conscious. <laughs> oh, of one that course, played? of
0: course. Uh, no, it's uh, th- it's th- thank-, thank you very much, Herbert Hoover, right in the original stage play. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's that's not in the film version either. So anybody who grew up with the, uh, you know the, the ah, what's her name?
1: I've got my original cast
2: recordings right here. <laughs> okay, man. okay. They should have just replaced it with like thanks Obama. That would have been pretty good.
1: <laughs> thanks Elon. <laughs> uh, okay, so the most relevant musical for the current political situation uh i haven't actually seen a lot of current musicals um because i don't have a lot of money and musicals are by their nature a or at least Pr- played musicals, live musicals, it's so weird to say that out loud, <laughs> right. uh, are an expensive bourgeois product, sure. and most of them are therefore bourgeois-finished cinema, which is, like, say, Rent, they want to epatter the bourgeoisie, but they never want to actually challenge them in any real way, because if it actually challenged them, they wouldn't pay the money to see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Now, S- while, while we're talking about a bourgeois S- productions... Um, I I think that some of our liberal audience uh probably heard the question and went, well, it's Hamilton, it's obviously Hamilton, and I don't think that we're gonna end up there. Um, I, I I just keep picturing the uh, you know, what the the various fundraising emails I got during the 2016 election that was, you know, if you can donate money right now, like you might win a chance to see Hamilton with Hillary Clinton, who ended up seeing it like four times or something. Uh, when
1: Mike Pence likes Hamilton that's all you need <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Dick, Dick Cheney is
1: a huge fan and, and um, well you know that's the limitations of art to actually do anything uh, there's a wonderful video by Lindsay Ellis uh, about Rent but also about Hamilton and about like the limits of bourgeois theater which is surprisingly very very thorough and I definitely recommend it oh yeah I think but that's if on we're my just playlist, talking about
0: that's a that's a it's like be Pretty and Do Nothing is the title. Or, or
1: Be Pretty and Do yeah. Nothing. Yep. 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 It's it's all about like how infeasible it is to have a play set during the AIDS epidemic that never mentions act up.
0: Ah, uh, right. Yeah.
1: And also I would like to point out that rent is a direct almost. if the guy had lived who wrote it he would have been brought on plagiarism charges <laughs> of a play called um uh People with Problems or People in Trouble. Interesting. It's like it's this. It's the same thing, except there's little singing and everyone is like actually political. And um, okay, but if we're talking about musical theater that has the capacity for change, there are two uh, movie musicals okay. that I know have brought untold number of my friends to socialism because we all know that musical theater is a socialist project. <laughs> Watch Cradle Will Rock, people. They are newsies. Yes. It's, a, it's amazing that a D- Disney now owns a property about
0: unions. Yeah, literally about and unionizing and shutting down the means the of The billionaires production. or whatever. Yep.
2: Tell them that they can't treat us like we don't exist.
1: Pull a turn, They think we're nothing! Are we nothing? No! We stick together like the trolley workers and they can't break us up.
2: Hurst, they think they got us Do they got us no! We're a union now, the newsboys union We have to start
0: acting
1: like a union. Even though we ain't got hats or badges, we're a union just by saying so And the world will go stop someone else right. And the other one is Little Shop of Horrors.
0: Yes. Now, you mentioned Little Shop of Horrors in Ugh. the thread, and I want you to take us through that because, you know, most people know that as the, the funny one with Rick Moranis and Steve Martin as the evil dentist and the giant talking plant who says, feed me. John, how is that a socialist musical?
1: Why, I'll tell you through
0: <laughs> song. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we need a little music cue right then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My ability to launch into like Harold Hill-esque advocations of unions is really amazing. Um, I should try it. Absolutely. (laughs) No, so Little Shop of Horrors is about a downtrodden orphan who lives on Skid Row, where uptown all your uh, customers are jerks and they treat you like garbage. He discovers a rare plant that will lead him to great success. The problem is this plant wants more and more and more of him, literally, physically, through his blood. Now, didn't Marx tell us that capitalists are like a vampire on labor? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So the big, oh, I get it. I I think I'm catching on. Right. The plant grows larger and larger and larger, bringing increasingly more and more fame and riches to our poor clerk. Unfortunately, the object of his real desire, which is to say an unalienated desire, his romantic attachment to the, his fellow clerk, Audrey, mm-hmm. is dangled by the plant as a way of success. She will only love you if you're rich. And therefore, in order to remain rich, the plant who is capitalism, must keep being fed. It requires him to commit murder to keep the plant alive.
0: Yeah. And there's there's an amazing musical number that uh it's it's in the stage play. Brendan and I have both been in the play. Uh, I've been in it twice actually. Um but it, it
1: Okay, who are you guys? Tell me who you are.
0: Well, uh, the the second time I did it, I played the dentist. The first time, I was just one of the one of the vagabonds on Skid Row, just a chorus member. Right? Uh, Didn't Brent-
2: you do like different parts, bit parts as customers or whatever, or, you right? Know, one of the background people.
0: But if I'm if I'm remembering it right, Brendan, I think you were even in this one number that got cut from the from the movie called "The Meek Shall Inherit," where it's literally mm-hmm. the turning point for Seymour's character. Where so far the murders that he's committed in order to keep the plant alive, to keep capitalism alive, were sort of incidental or they were justified, where this is the the musical number where he actually confronts, you know, well, if I kill the plant, if I end this cash cow, then she's not going to like me anymore and that's when he makes his full heel turn and starts signing all the contracts, all the rich and famous contracts. It's a it's pretty grim. And given the way that they they ended the movie as a, you know, as a positive, it's it's a comedy as a movie. It's a tragedy as a stage play. Uh, I'm not surprised that they got rid of it because he actually does become a bad guy at that point. He's complicit in this system.
1: Right. And in in the original and because they actually shot the Meek for Inherit scene. For the uh, movie, it's it's in the DVD extra. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And in it, like it's really well done. Yeah, you see like the tentacles like consuming right. him, and like the picture of his boss starts to bleed. Right. Like it's very not not subtle imagery. It's, it's about, pretty like, on the nose. Con- right, and in the original ending to uh, to the play and originally the movie is that the plant capitalism just sucks up and eats everyone on Earth. right. <laughs> right. Well, and it's so funny because the
2: the rick moranis version where they cut in a happy ending undercuts the entire message of the play right which is like
1: don't don't well, give no, in no, or whatever be, because <laughs> no because because the plant still survives at the end in a small bud form which oh, i took to true. mean uh in the post war america where we thought like social democracy would be okay oh. no you always have to be on on guard <laughs> Against this creeping whatever neoliberalism, market force capitalism—it's sure. always there under your However feet. However,
0: they rebrand themselves; is, it's always going to try to get right. its tentacles back into you.
1: This is this is what I wrote about when I wrote that review of uh, the Nicole, Nicole Kidman movie, *The Invasion*, and no one believed me that it was actually about like creeping fascism <laughs> until I said, "You know, the guy who directed this was the guy who directed *Downfall*. Like, I think he knows something about fascism." Holy cow, yeah. And everyone was like, "Was like, oh, wait, that ending's such a cop-out, because everyone says, oh, we don't remember being, like, fascist zombies. And I'm like, look at that actual ending. Look at Nicole Kidman's face. She's processing the fact that everyone has chosen to forget they were fascist zombies. <laughs> I think of, like, your 60-year-old German director writing that, that may be on your mind a bit.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, it's like, uh, you know, people who want to watch, say, uh, the original Dawn of the Dead as just a zombie film and not... Mm-hmm. A a barely veiled critique of consumer culture you know you you can you can see it (laughs) and racism and racism i mean you can you can see it if you're looking for it so uh, the the conceit of what's the most politically relevant i mean that it really is just a conceit i think there are a whole bunch of ones we can talk about and you mentioned one earlier that i'd like to throw into the ring which is the music man well either you're closing your eyes to a situation you do not wish to acknowledge or you are not aware of the caliber of disaster. Now hear me out. In oh. broad strokes, The Music Man is about a fast-talking grifter who goes <laughs> to small-town America populated entirely by white people and tells them to be afraid of things, and he basically just gets all of the power in town. Uh, that sounds...
1: Yeah, no, the, the Music Man is about how much Americans love being rubes and Yeah, cons. Absolutely. They buy that monorail and they just buy
0: it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's my favorite musical. Yeah, what's his name in that in the uh, Simpsons episode? It's not. Han- it's not Lyle Lyle Landley. Landley. Yeah, not not Harold <laughs> Hill, but Lyle Landley. <laughs> oh, that's so good. A uh, uh, real quick aside for people who listened to our our show last week, where we were talking about children's movies. Um so Lyle Langley, Lyle Landley, Langley is played by uh Phil Hartman in that um who also plays the terrifying Peter Laurie uh tape recorder in Brave Little Toaster. So boom, we're we're connecting all of these episodes <laughs> together. Weird. Yeah.
2: Well, when I was researching this topic, uh you know, the obvious ones started popping up, but I had to dig a little bit deeper and find a musical That was ahead of its time. Okay. Which is a musical about a Black Lives Matter uprising uh, that's finding some street justice. I'm talking about Ragtime.
0: Ragtime. Man, yes.
1: Ragtime is... Have you read the book? Oh, I have not read the book. I should dig into that. Okay, the book is written in, like, this first-person, like each character is talking to you and just the most insane things happen you have like you know JP Morgan chase worshipping pyramids so he can become an immortal pharaoh <laughs> and like the Emma Emma Goldman seducing like what is it like sister like it's and a long extended thing about like William Taft's farts it's amazing <laughs> Oh, I can't believe they cut the William Taft fart songs. From the, uh, that would have been <laughs> so no, was, uh, good. The actual line is "America would never uh, elect another fat man because it had become a great big farting nation." <laughs> well, he was wrong on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it, ha- it happened. Yeah, so um, ragtime. So yes, ragtime. ragtime's
0: an amazing entry too. Because uh, for people who haven't seen it or listened to the score, it's a it's an interwoven narrative that incorporates what would you say, like, five or six different sorts of people at, at various stages of society? Um, and it's, it all takes place around the the turn of the 20th century. So you have, as Brendan mentioned, the the black activist who, he goes from being a, a jazz singer to being, like, a radical, you know, that, that era's version of basically Black Lives Matter and right. then into, you know, actual... Um, like hostage-taking and and terrorism. You've got a a bougie white family uh, where the father is a representative of the fears of white people at the time that the nation is changing and there's nothing they can do about it. there are a couple of different immigrant stories, just people coming to America and trying to make the best life that they can. And one of them actually does end up being a, you know, an innovator and an inventor, which is, you know, that's absolutely a a narrative that you hear on the left about, you know, the benefit of opening the borders or at least not having them completely closed. So yeah, I think that's a good entry.
2: Right, they talk about like Harry Houdini as like an immigrant who's like, he was, you know, working on the streets and now he's a millionaire. Um, everybody right. loves him, uh, but I, yeah, no, I think it's amazing that the uh, the impetus of the of the play is that um, uh, the the black guy's wife gets beat to death by the cops because she tries to like go see the president and like ask him about like why he's perpetuating racial injustice, right? And they just beat her to death, uh, which is like this is a play that uh, you know people show to like they do it in high schools and stuff now.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, and um, I was trying to think of another one. I wanted to say like not maybe uh, recent or modern musicals, but just the concept of the Federal Theater Project. Uh,
0: I don't I don't know what that is. Take us through it.
1: Okay, so the Federal Theater Project was a WPA sponsored program to help out the theatrical arts community. Uh, It was going to start in New York and then spread all over. I believe it was in New York and Chicago for a while. And it would basically be, you would sort of like just sign up and say, I'm an actor, I'm a dancer, I'm a writer, I'm a whatnot. And the government would take control of certain theaters and just say, okay, we're going to be putting on X numbers of shows a day. We have X numbers of things to fill. We're, this is a make work project for the theatrical yeah. industry. And uh, they still actually kind of have a form of this in Britain, which is really interesting. And, it was, always, it was loathed by the conservatives in Congress for a really long time, so it didn't actually last wait, very wait, long. Wait, wait, the conservatives in the Congress
0: thi- weren't into the idea of uh, putting money into the arts? Art, art
1: for the sake of yeah, art. Yeah, I know, it's ugh. weird. Man,
0: how, how times have well, changed.
1: The thing was that they, they started to say, like, well, you can't have art for the sake of art. You have to have things that are, like, morally redemptive or, like, illustrative of Western <laughs> values because – you know, these people were born in the 1870s. Yeah, sure. so uh,
0: <laughs> and, and we see the echoes so, of that now with uh, how dedicated the conservative wing is to free speech for conservative values. Yeah.
1: But... <laughs> right. So like you would have um, morally upright plays. One of them is called Spirochete. It's actually really good. It's about syphilis huh? and like the dangers and whatnot. But it's, it's very interestingly tuned because it's like, Oh, actually, the problem isn't men visiting prostitutes. The problem is that we don't have a national health system. (laughs) And they started doing these things called um, newspaper plays. And I found this fascinating. These were plays that would dramatize things happening in the newspaper, like current events. And they would be like, you know, farmers losing their fields because the bank was foreclosing on them and the government wasn't buying them out. Or whatnot. Or there'd be like things about like worker strikes and how like, you know, houses of workers would be bulldozed if they were struck uh, in a coal mine in Alabama. And some people got a little upset about that (laughs) because these were touring shows and they would take those shows to those communities and see like, here, here is your enemy and here's what they're doing to you. Yeah, wow. And um, the movie Cradle Will Rock is a very good description of the federal theater project it did not last long it had the potential to be really transformative there was oh there was a, a children's play called the busy beaver all about like collectivism and unionizing
0: that's I, awesome yeah no that's the amazing. beavers
1: can only build the band if they all work together
0: <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to read up on that because what it reminds me of is sort of the like the ancient greek model where the The events of the day were turned into theatrical productions, and it became this. Um, mm-hmm. the The way that a lot of people got their news was you would go and see one of these street plays. That it was a dramatized version of events that were actually happening because it was a great way to disseminate information. And I guess my that's a great way to
1: build up sympathy. Yeah, sure.
0: Well, and I, I guess uh, you know before we get into more specific examples, I wonder what you guys think about um, the the power of theater because. I mean, John, you, you pointed out that, you know, staged theater is a very uh, bourgeois thing, right? I mean, they, they literally mention it in Les Mis where they're trying to figure out what is it we're fighting for. And one of the kind of more cynical um, – he's, he's a revolutionary, but his, his approach to this is very cynical about what other people's motivations are. He says, what are we fighting? Like, are we literally fighting just for the right uh, – for people to go to the opera,
1: it's time for us all to decide who we are do we fight for the right to a night at the opera now?
0: and I, and I wonder what you think about you know what is the what's the revolutionary potential if there is any of stage theater uh, musical theater or otherwise or is it is it destined to just be sort of a, a bourgeois pursuit?
1: Well, um, I guess I have to, like, dig into my brecht here, um, which is, like, I don't fundamentally believe in the power of art to change minds, necessarily, because, you know, all the Nazis love their classical music. Sure. And they love their great paintings. Like, you can enjoy something and not understand it at
0: all. <laughs> yeah, every every alt writer, every every person with a Pepe avatar on Twitter loves listening to Wagner.
1: Yeah, well...
0: They don't, but they do, say they do. Do they? they-
1: <laughs> Right. And it's like, but the thing theater can do is that theater is one of the most intimate art forms because you're directly in front of someone doing something and they're doing something embarrassing, which is that they're pretending to be someone else. (laughs) Right. So the capacity, you know, the ability of all art across the board is to create and inspire empathy and the way we build Class consciousness and solidarity is through empathy. So the potential for that is there. The problem is, like, sub... The problem is thinking of it as the entire orchestra and not just the oboe. Like... Okutlan says that um, we must use every instrument in our orchestra to create a revolution. Well, art, theater, and plays, like, these all have the potential to be part of the orchestra, but they're not the whole thing. And actually, the the Current Affairs podcast, number four, had a really great discussion about political humor and, like, what is the point? And the point of political humor is to be propaganda. So, therefore, effective political humor uh, is on target and focused, so, like, you're not making fun of someone because they're fat or they're slutty or they're a woman. You're making fun of them because they support these horrendous policies, because they're monstrously rich, because right. uh, they're – even that they're hypocrites, even though that doesn't really land. <laughs> but, like, it's still more on target than, you're orange.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, uh, And and actually you remind me of – there's a another Lindsay Ellis video. I didn't realize we were going to talk about Lindsay Ellis so much on the show, but um, hi, she-
1: Lindsay. Hope your marriage was good. Your <laughs> wedding.
0: Um, she talks about uh, the Mel Brooks musical, The Producers, and mm-hmm. how what The Producers is actually satirizing. It's not just using Nazi imagery because the producers needed something incredibly offensive to make a musical about. It's specifically lampooning how fragile fascism is, especially all of the theatrical trappings of it, uh, mm-hmm. and, and points out Just how that,
1: chintzy and hoaxy it is, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, and how they got away with, uh, at, at risk of sounding like I, I'm admiring it, I'm just saying that they got away with making it look kind of cool to the masses for a long time, specifically because you weren't allowed to criticize it. Um, So everyone was kind of caught up in in that aesthetic. And that was all you were seeing. And so this is what our country looks like. But it's just a just a hair's breadth away from being absolutely ridiculous if you just take it a little bit more over the top. And I I think that's a I think that's a good point for a lot of um, especially satirical, um, satirical theater in this day and age that. You know, these structures that we hold up, if you take them just a tiny bit farther, you know, it it can make a point about something in your culture that is so flimsy that you can take it out of the knees just by teasing it a little bit. And uh, and, and on that theme, I wanted to throw in um, specifically about uh, sort of the the impetus in our culture to always be hustling, um, to make sure that. Uh, you're you're accumulating your social media clout uh, you, uh, you look every at these, minute
1: has to be productive <laughs> every
0: minute has to be productive but specifically you know the the more outrageous you are the more famous you can be and thus the more shielded from responsibility is Chicago Here from the old You'll be passionate, give on the old hopeless, hopeless bead and feather rum. How can they see with single in their eyes? What if your hinges all are rusting? What if, in fact, you're just disgusting? Razzle dazzle them. And they'll
1: never catch why. Oh, I just rewatched Chicago. Nice. So. Yeah, no, there's there's a whole. It's entirely about celebrity culture.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's. Um, I mean, obviously, that's a thing that uh, has, has lasted for as long as we've been a country, celebrity culture. But specifically in the era of social media platforming, you've got this. Who's this gal with the frizzy hair who takes the. The pictures of her holding a an AK or like two AKs in front of an American flag. And it's so transparently a grift to try to create outrage among liberals so that she can go back to her base of, of MAGA hats and say, like, look at how outraged they are. They're trying to shut me down by my T-shirts you know? or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, it,
1: it, it's like you mentioned with uh, the music man. That's like fundamentally Americans love being grifted.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean we we love the people who do it to us. And look at look at Trump country. You know whatever that is, it's it's pockets all over the country to be honest. It's rich um,
1: retirees.
0: Yeah, it's rich retirees. It's uh, you know, disenfranchised entitled uh white college students. It's, you know, We call th- those libertarians. Right, right, right.
2: Yeah, well, I think we figured it out. The real musical that is a reflection of our current culture is uh, Tina Fey's Mean
1: Girls on Broadway. <laughs> on Wednesdays, if you wear pink, you get half off your ticket price.
0: <laughs> you're you're kidding.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. If you're in the ticket lottery and you're wearing pink on Wednesday, you get first choice.
0: Oh, my God.
1: That's how I saw it.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I, 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 think, I think Brendan nailed sliding. it then because... Because if there's one thing that defines uh, defines liberal politics right now, it is performative consumerism. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Although it's interesting, we didn't bring up cabaret at all.
0: Oh yes, please, uh, please talk about cabaret.
1: Well, uh, uh, cabaret's like been been talked to death. It's it's about the rise of uh, fascism. Isherwood, the original author, famously hated it actually, um, because. He thought it made Berlin look too glamorous and Sally was too good a singer. He was like, no, everything was shit back then. Why do you think these people became
0: extremists? (laughs) Right.
1: It was like, you know, you could buy a boy for five cents. It was not a good deal. Um, But yeah, Cabaret is about like, you know, the entire thing, this plot line with Max is about like, it's so hard being poor. It's so hard struggling. Isn't it easier to just give in?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that is... It's grim as hell, but then it's a grim show, and I mean, certainly that's where we are with a lot of people who just have opted out of participating in, in the political process at this point.
1: Well, that's that's the song in, in the play and not the, the movie, which is I Don't Care Much. which is all about, look, my life is never going to get any better. Um, nothing I do really matters. So I'm just going to do whatever it takes to survive. If it means becoming a prostitute, if it means becoming a Nazi, I don't care because I don't care much.
2: <sighs> well, I think it's it's time to lift it back up.
0: Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> I am I'm glad in this segment that we didn't get around to making the obvious uh, SpongeBob musical joke. <laughs> I was I was that or Mean girls. I was I was weighing it out. SpongeBob <laughs> yeah, will be leading the
1: revolution. That's how we know it. It'll be very colorful. Didn't it like win the most Tonys or something recently? Uh, what is happening? <laughs> it is look, I I've seen excerpts. It's a very busy play. Lots of stuff is happening and you feel like you're getting the most amount of money's worth.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean there's something for spectacle. Yeah, yeah, it's it's basically a circus show, so who cares?
0: Right, be be kind of like uh, trying to keep up with the news right now. Sorry, I'm just trying to stay on theme. How's that how's that politically <laughs> going? Um yeah, okay, uh no, I, I agree, Brendan. I think it's probably time to uh take a little break and take it out on a high note. Uh maybe we can maybe one of us will break out into song randomly. <laughs>